what's the next thing we're supposed to be doing? Okay, so <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess we can start the actual episode now. Can I press stop? Because this is just twenty minutes of just shit. <laughs> I'll just edit out the first part. It's fine. It's fine, Richard. Right. Maybe, maybe we can manage to do this episode in twenty-two minutes. Mm. Okay, but this episode, right? Are we have we started now? Yeah. Okay. You said you wanted to talk about the Kanehurst Vilebloods. Yes. But we did an episode about the Thumerians already. Yeah, but we didn't. So I don't, I don't quite understand like how this Venn diagram works. Like, oh my God, Richard! The Venn diagram is kind of a circle. Why? Why are you testing me? Okay, focus. I will focus. Okay. Okay. So what we did is we did an episode on the Sumerians. Yeah. We did episode on the executioners, but we never actually talked about the vile bloods in depth. So today we're going to talk about like the vile bloods, but we're not going to really mention the executioner and the Sumerian stuff in detail because we already talked about it. Okay, but I, I don't know like how I much have questions. is left. All right. Okay. 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 Okay, pretend this is the beginning. <laughs> pretend like we haven't been talking. <laughs> so today's episode is about the Vilebloods. <laughs> today's episode is about the Vilebloods, even though we've done an episode on Thumerians and an episode on Executioners, which makes me wonder exactly how much blood is left in this stone. <laughs> like, I think it's pretty well covered, but you apparently have questions. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. um... I would recommend watching um, the videos about the Sumerians and the Executioners and Maria and the doll and Lawrence and the Moon Presence before watching this. <laughs> because I would recommend watching those and if you still have any desire to listen to us talk. Yeah. Like after just one <laughs> of those, you can listen to this one. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> And also, Lance has a really cool stream on Kinehurst on Twitch. Oh, his like cut, yeah, uh, Kinehurst stuff, yeah. Yeah, so I'll link all of those in the description. And so we're just gonna cover wild blood stuff that we may not have covered in the previous podcasts. Um, okay, I don't know how long this is gonna be because I think we covered most of it. Uh, have some positivity, Richard. No, this is positive, because it means this episode might actually, like, be concise and informative. Okay, awesome. And not be three hours long. <laughs> oh, God. Since we already have an episode on the Thumerians, could you, like, super briefly tell me about the Thumerians and what their deal is? Well, either they were people or they were created by the great ones it's not clear like what their exact point of origin is but they were this race of servants slash guardians of the great ones they lived underground in these tombs and their job was just to oversee the tombs and continue to like expand the tombs because that's where the great ones were sleeping um they with time sort of 
rebelled against the Great Ones. Not really clear how that worked out because the Great Ones were apparently asleep at the time. So, I think they just like were left alone so long they just formed their own society. They stopped being ruled by the Great Ones. They decided to have their own castes of like queens and elders and they developed their own rituals and their own culture and then with time the more of the catacombs and the labyrinth and the tombs that they built they just kept building it higher and higher and higher and then over time as they built more and their culture changed they became the inhabitants of Yarnum and Kanehurst awesome so you said some of them became inhabitants of Kanehurst yes and I want to ask you, what was the inspiration behind the Kanehurst area? What, in real life or yeah. in the game? In real life, yeah. In real life, it's the real-life movie, Dracula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the Kanehurst stuff is, is all vampire tropes. Right, yeah. Playing into the gothic horror, like you have Yarnum, Yarnum is where the werewolves are, and then Kanehurst is where the vampires are. And it's designed sort of so when you start off, it seems like, oh, this is a gothic horror story, so there's werewolves and there's vampires. But in actuality, they are both symptoms of the same thing, which is the labyrinth under Yarnum. So basically, this is Underworld. Uh, yes. Okay. And you know the actual castle? Who built it? The people who live in Kanehurst, I imagine. <laughs> Should we t- we need to talk about Hemwick. We'll get there. But I think Hemwick Hemwick is important to understand who built the castle. All right, let's talk about Hemwick. Because Kanehurst is the castle where the nobility lived. Mm-hmm. And then Hemwick is the city, like, immediately next to it. You have to cross a bridge to get there and the bridge has been destroyed. But the implication that, like, is it- like no one outright says this, but it's implied, like, through area design and everything, that- Kanehurst was the castle, the nobles lived in Kanehurst, then the serfs lived in Hemwick. Oh, well, that was one of my questions, where it's like, yeah. is Kanehurst just a castle? <laughs> no, so, like, yeah. the, the idea is that... The thing about Thumerians is that they're, they're matriarchal. They always have, seem to have a queen. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, like, the, the source of the power of the Thumerian queen is that she bears the child of a great one. So there's a lot of emphasis put on on women in Thumerian culture. And if you go to Hemwick, like, Hemwick is, it's a very, very, like, there's, a, like, the, they're apparently, like, whoever runs Hemwick, it's not clear what her exact role is, but it's run by these, the like, a coven of witches who are all women. And then when you go into Hemwick, like, the, most of the enemies there are women. Mm-hmm. The, it, it's, the way Hemwick is designed is, like, as you come into Hemwick, the men are outside Hemwick sort of protecting this, the village, and then as you go into the village, the women are there. But it's not like they're protecting the women who are huddled up indoors. The women are out there with, like, axes and cleavers and things. Right. So, that yeah. So, like, that seems to be a legacy of them being Thumerian, that there's, like, a very, very heavy emphasis on, on women in Hamwick. And what kind of relationship did Kindhurst have with Hamwick? Well, like I was saying, it looks like uh, Kanehurst was where the nobles lived and then Hemwick was where the serfs lived. So, I'm guessing Kanehurst was probably built by people from- who, like, the ancestors of the people from Hemwick, that they just kept, like, they would have been the ones who constructed it. Alternatively, Kanehurst, because it's above- like, this is confusing because, like, 
we know that Yarnum is above the the dungeons that the Fumarians built. And I'm pretty sure Kanehurst is supposed to be above it as well, because the dungeons are described as stretching out, like, you know, to the horizon. So it's possible that Hemwick was just built by the Thumarians. Like, they just kept building up, and then, like, one lot popped up and built Yarnum, and then another lot popped up and built Kanehurst. Mm-hmm. And so, Kanehurst, Hemwick, Yarnum, are they all in the same country-type deal? Yeah, it's like Yarnum is the big city, and then on the outskirts of Yarnum, there's Hemwick, and then there's the village that became Forbidden Woods. We don't know its name. Okay. Um, Forbidden Woods, like, used to be a village, but because it's cut off from the rest of Yarnum, it's, like, sort of just just, help, just sort of holding together. Like, all the, all the buildings are falling apart, and they've all been patched up with, like, bits of tar and wood from this forest surrounded, and, like, the people there just seem to live off hunting rabbits. They don't get, they don't get like proper, they don't like trading like Yarnum is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it looks like Yarnum was like the the big urban area, and then you've got like Hemwick on the outskirts of Yarnum, and then further from Hemwick is Kanehurst. Like, they get to the same area basically. Okay. Yeah, like you can just walk from you can walk between all three, and like not very long. Mm-hmm. And people who live in the castle, they call themselves, or they are called, Wildbloods. Yeah. So, why? Uh, well, this is the thing. Um, we've had Loki on, and he said, like, the Japanese stuff comes first, so, like, shut up in the comments. Um, <laughs> the reason- Okay, in the Japanese script, they're not called the vile bloods. They're called a word that's like the Kanehurst family or like the Kanehurst bloodline. Mm-hmm. They're not given that specific designation. The reason that they're called the Kanehurst vile bloods in the English one is that it's trying to get across the notion that their blood is corrupt, which is a thing in the Japanese script as well, but it's it's less so in the English script. So I think the reason they call them the vile bloods is that they're trying to communicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, th- just through the name rather mm-hmm. than through other bits of dialogue. So, yeah, they're called, they're called the Vilebloods because it, well, it's interesting because what happens is you talk to Alfred and Alfred tells you that a scholar from Bergenworth brought old blood to Kanehurst and that created the Vilebloods. The thing about Alfred is like, he, he's not present for any of this stuff. So he's just relaying what he's been told. So, one thought initially was, well, is that just entirely made up? Because Kanehurst has this extremely ancient, like, lineage to it. Like, this wasn't something that was created, like, 20 years ago. This is a very, very ancient royal family that goes back, you know, hundreds of generations. Yeah. Um, and then it became, like, what what's going on here? So, the- <laughs> The answer is that, and this is again down to cut stuff, which like, I think we've said this before, but it bears repeating. The reason we bring up cut stuff is that it's not really cut a lot of it. It's more like one piece of it was removed, but the other pieces are still there. So it's not like this thing was just very neatly excised and it's never mentioned again. So this is, this is an example of what I'm talking about. There is a, a series of portraits in Kanehurst. One of the portraits is of a guy in a red, it looks like a monk's robe. 
No one knew who the fuck this guy was. <laughs> and then when Lance and Santa DSK were data mining Bloodborne, they found that, oh, there's this completely removed character called Father Herbert. And he is wearing Herbert or Norbert, depending on which version of the script you have, because I think they hadn't decided. So, Herbert slash Norbert, Horbert. <laughs> Father Horbert is wearing that exact same robe. Now, the, the painting is not of Horbert. It's of this other character who we never meet. <laughs> but you can tell, like, he's from the healing church. And, like, even ignoring- Horbit. Like, the reason you can tell he's from the Healing Church is he's wearing this, like, wheel-shaped uh, clasp around his neck. And that's something that the Healing Church servants, the Thumerian ones, wear. So, he's from the Healing Church. So, it looks like the story, like, what they were trying to get across, and then it got, can, it got sort of lost when they removed Horbit, is that the scholar from Bergenworth was someone from the Healing Church, and they brought the blood to Canehurst, and that's what created the vile bloods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also I'm pretty sure that painting is supposed to be Lawrence. Right. Right. So I think the and Lawrence is technically a scholar from Bergenworth. Yeah. So it looks like what because Alfred again, like Alfred, Alfred wasn't there for any of this. He's just repeating what he's being told. So it seems like what happened was the Healing Church. Uh, or at least just Lawrence before he was, like, head of the- Actually, no, he would have had to be head of the Healing Church at the time. The Healing Church brought the old blood to Canehurst possibly before they brought it to Yarnum. Or we don't know exactly what, what the time- uh, what the timeline of this is. They brought it to- Actually, no, no, I think- yeah, I'm pretty sure this would have happened um, after the research hall period. We'll get into it later on. They brought the old blood to Canehurst because they knew that the Canehurst- bloodline were the descendants of the Thumerian royalty. So they had very, very like they they had more sort of dominant Thumerian traits. Probably they were probably inbred. Mm-hmm. Like they they were closer to Thumerian because Thumerians have like unique uh, physical characteristics that are sort of like over time I guess they were bred out. Yeah. It's it's not really but like the people in Yarnum are also descendants of Thumerians, but they just look like normal humans. Whereas the Canehurst bloodline, from what we see in like paintings and things, they had more Thumerian features to them. They had like very, very, very like white, off white skin. They had very like pit, black pit eyes and they had like extremely prominent cheekbones and things that you associate with the Thumerian. Right. And crucially they had a queen, which is what the Thumerians had as well. So it looks like Lawrence, in his quest to find a, like, child of a great one that he can beckon one with, he took blood- he took the old blood to Canehurst, and he gave it to them, because he knew that that would have a diff- would have, like, a more potent effect on them than it would on just regular Yarnamites. <laughs> so, when they say, like, the Scholar from Bergenworth creates the Vile Bloods, it means more like the Scholar from Bergenworth- brought this stuff to, like, a, a, a royal family who were already Thumerian descendants. They were already, like, they had been there for hundreds of generations in this, like, old decrepit castle. And what the old blood did is it sort of, like, woke up the dom- the sort of dormant Thumerian traits in them. And that's what creates the vile bloods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And could you talk about the corrupt blood? Well, the corrupt blood is... 
it's just Thumerian blood from what I gather. Why is it called corrupt? Well, the thing is, like, um, it's really not that clear because Lawrence is experimenting with old blood in his research hall. But also, they make a big deal out of, like, um, Ariana, who is a, a character who's already in Cathedral Ward. She's descended from Kanehurst. So, the idea is, like, she is also, she's part of that royal family. She just doesn't know because she's, like, several generations removed from it or something. And there's all this stuff in there about, like, her blood is, like, forbidden by the church. And if, like... If the church knew about her, they would kill her because her blood is is so corrupt. And she can actually die if you bring Adela to Erden Chapel and then you take Ariana's blood. I think it's three times Adela murders her. So it's like it's not entirely clear what makes the Thumerian, what makes the vile blood especially vile. Because like the healing church have been doing shady things for a long time, but they seem to be very, very resistant to the Kanehurst blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible that it's to do with the the whole like vermin thing, that like maybe the Kanehurst blood is is more cursed in the same like the way that the Yarnum blood becomes cursed, maybe Kanehurst blood was cursed as well. But that is in itself sort of odd because the Kanehurst people aren't aren't beasts. Mm-hmm. It's odd because there are there are monsters around Kanehurst that look like they used to be people, but they've they've turned into these weird things that the game doesn't consider to be beasts. It just considers them to just be like monsters. So there's these there's these gargoyle things, and then there's these giant flea monsters. But like the the game specifies like there's there's um there's beast type and kin type, and they're neither. So they're not beasts and they're not kin. Weirdly, there is like an unused, not unused, but it's like they don't really t- talk about it much in the game. There's another modifier that's not beast or kin that's just called righteous. Yeah. Some church weapons have it and it does bonus damage to things in Kanehurst. So like, it looks like there's this kind of a third type that Kanehurst fit into, but they're kind of cagey about what it is and how it works. I think because like- as is the way with Bloodborne, the stuff that they seem to focus on at the beginning and was a big, big um, part of the story to begin with is is the stuff that suffered the most as it went on. Because, like, it looks like Kanehurst was going to be, like, a really, really significant part of the story at the beginning. Yeah. But in the re- by the time you get to the retail version, it's become an optional area that sort of fills out the backstory but also doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like how like, I've looked at the the prototype versions of Upper Cathedral Ward, and that has in it like all these paths and things that like were ended up being cut, but they were there from the beginning, and like they were always like working on them with the idea that Cathedral Ward would connect in this way. And then even though that was the, like, I think one of the first areas they designed it, it went through all these different iterations and they kept working on it, that ended up being, like, cut out anyway. Like, it's really odd that, like, the things that they that they spent so long on at the beginning are the things that ended up being removed the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we talked about it in the Executioner podcast more, but at some point there was a raid on the castle. Yeah, this is the second part of the sort of, like, p- 
partially again we're saying partially removed because it wasn't removed mm-hmm. and the, I want- the mm-hmm. church attacking Kanehurst story yeah. yeah so i wanted to ask you before the attack what was the relationship like between like Kanehurst Bergenworth healing church and just like Yarnum okay i don't think anyone at Bergenworth knew anyone from Kanehurst at all okay um well wait no but no? it's like if you live in that area you know of the giant castle, like, right across the bridge from Hamwick? Must have heard about it. But they don't mention it. Who doesn't mention it? No one mentions it. Well, they must have known about it at some point. But, like, they don't go there. Like, they make a point of going to this little coastal fishing village, but they never think to look in Kanehurst. No, but what I'm saying is maybe they don't because they're like, oh, it's just Kanehurst, like our neighbors who live in a fancy castle. Yeah, they may have known about it, not th- not thought it was significant. Yeah. The confusing part there, though, is Maria. Yes. Because Maria is described, she is a distant relative of Annalise and she is like, we don't know if she's literally from Kanehurst or she's from around there, but she's like, she's related to Annalise and she's got the, they make a point of like her sword is like the Kanehurst Chicago sword. And she presumably was at the Hamlet. Again, you don't see it, but it's implied she was part of the Hamlet raid with um, German. Yeah. So, like... So, it's like, they must have been chill at some point. They must have known. She must have been like, yeah, I'm related to the chicken Kinehurst. We also don't know exactly what the relationship between Bergenworth and the Hunters was at that point. Yeah. Because, like, Bergenworth is... It's it's an academy. It's like a bunch of philosophers and scientists. I don't know what role German has in that. And you can say like, okay, they the hunters may have been like a mercenary group that they just employed for the Hamlet raid and didn't mention after, like they didn't know them beforehand. And like, okay, maybe, but then you have German calling Willem Master Willem in his sleep, which implies that like, like, he may not mean, like, Willem is my master, but he may mean, like, that's, like, the formal um, title for him. Like, Professor Willem, he's Master Willem, whatever. So, like, he's calling out to Willem. So, like, he must know, like, there must be some kind of relationship there. It's one of the more mystifying parts of the story that, like, you just have to sort of accept it happened, even though they never really explain, like, why- like you, you can come up with explanations, but the game doesn't really provide one. Like, well, it kind of provides one. What's the? What does it provide? Okay. Well, it says that <laughs> Maria's cap was crafted in Kinehurst, right, or whatever yeah. her garb. Yeah. So it's just that people knew about Kinehurst, and Kinehurst was like the cool people in the region and the royalty, and that's it. And then at some point, Lawrence or whoever figured out that it's like, wait a minute, they're descendants of the Marians. And that's when the whole thing happened. Yeah, but the, if you if you say that Lawrence is the one who brought the blood to Kanehurst, then that has to have happened after he left yeah. Bergenworth. Yeah. But he didn't come back to Bergenworth. Why would he come back to Bergenworth? No, but he if he didn't come back, then like... Like, everybody knew about Kinehurst. Ki- like, everyone knew Yarnum. Yeah. Knew Kinehurst were, like, the Kardashians of the region, so everybody knew about okay. them. Okay. It's just that he's, let's say, Lawrence is the one that figured out, like, oh, Maria is cute and tall and pale, just like people in the labyrinth. <laughs> Wait a minute. And, 
you know, that he brought the blood to Kenhurst and yeah. he was like, hey, are you guys descendants of the Thumerians? And the queen's like, maybe. And then, you know, the whole thing happened. And then there was a raid. And then there was this whole thing with the cut umbilical cord description. Do you want to go into that then? About okay, the raid yeah. and the... Okay. So, again, they don't say this, but this is kind of clearly what happened. That... The reason Lawrence gave Annalise the blood is because he wanted Annalise to conceive the child of a great one. And she did. And then after she conceived it, like, at this point, I think the idea is Lawrence was saying to her, like, oh, we're, we're friends. I won't, I like, I'm looking after you. Because there's, like, there is a fucking huge portrait of this guy in Kanehurst. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he was clearly someone that they knew and they trusted and they, like, they revered him enough to put him, like- they put him, you know, on the, the huge portrait of him next to, like, their knights and queens and things. Oh, my God. And then Queen Annalise goes, sorry, Lawrence, I have a boyfriend. And then executioners raid the castle. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> He's Lawrence the first incel. <laughs> Lawrence was just a little salty. And he was like, executioners raid the castle. He's like, <laughs> I guess it doesn't pay to be a nice guy these days. <laughs> So, Lawrence and the church then, like, after Annalise gives birth to this child, Lawrence wants that child to offer it to the moon presence. As, like, because he, he realizes at this point that the, um, the, because he's presumably, he knows that the orphan of Cos's third chord can be used to beckon things. So, he realizes, okay, I need my own child of a great one to contact the moon presence with. So he, after Annalise gives birth to the child, Lawrence, and confusingly, like, the executioners, <laughs> they then attack Kanehurst together. And, like, again, this is, it's sort of in there, but sort of not. Lawrence absconds with the child. He takes the child to the old workshop, and the child dies, and that umbilical cord is used to call the moon presence. And mm -hmm. again, like- this would have, I think I talked about this on the, I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the Executioner podcast, but it's mm -hmm. one of those things I just don't understand the rationale behind. Because I don't know why they don't just say the church hunters attack Kanehurst. They, for some reason, decide that the church attack Kanehurst, but they attack them with the help of a bunch of, like, just guys that they find somewhere. Who are called the Executioners. And they're from a faraway land. And they just attack Kanehurst together. And, like, you can sort of go, okay, maybe they are, like, a group of, like, vampire hunters who have been hunting, like, Thumerian descendant people or something. And they found them, like, the church got in contact with them somehow and said, hey, there's some, there's some vampire stuff going on at Kanehurst. But mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's like... Just say it was the church. <laughs> um, okay. So, oh yeah, I wanted to ask you. Castle Kindhurst and Kindhurst Castle, what's the difference? They're the same thing. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> so, after the castle gets raided, a few years yep. pass. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and then... Our hunter well, it, finds it. Yeah, we, we don't know who broke the bridge as well. Yeah, we do. It was the executioners. 
Okay, do you want to talk about how Annalise can't die then? Because that seems to inform a lot of Kanehurst. Uh, we're not there yet. Okay. Okay. So. Okay, so the raid happened many years past, and then yep. our hunter finds an invitation to Kinehurst. Do you want to talk about the invitation? Yes. Yeah. Um, you go back to Yosefka's clinic, and the invitation is addressed to you, and it's just on a table. Mm-hmm. So, mm. do you have any theories as to how? No. Okay. <laughs> the, okay, do you want, like, the closest thing you'll ever get, and I'm not even sure it was intentional? Sure. What Imposter Yosefka will give you numbing mist as a reward for sending people to her clinic. And numbing mist is something that presumably, like, according to the game, only people from Kanehurst know how to make numbing mist. So you could say that Imposter Yosefka has something to do with Kanehurst because she knows how to make numbing mist. And maybe that's why there's an invitation there for you. Okay. Because she's she's trying to do something. But whatever it is, it did like doesn't um it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> and yeah. to get to Kinehurst we have to stand next to this thing. Yeah, it's like a crossing sort of obelisk thing. Yeah, and then a carriage shows up. Yeah. Out of nowhere it just appears. How does that work? Yeah. It doesn't. It's a ghost carriage. It's a ghost carriage and then you get into it's a, the It's just a Yeah. Yeah, yeah go on. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just, there's a haunted ghostly carriage <laughs> pulled by dead. That's taken from Dracula. Oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Like, we mentioned Dracula before. The, I'm talking about, like, the Dracula, the 1920s universal horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a famous sequence in that where, like, in the Dracula story, like, a, a carriage picks up Harker and takes him to the castle. But, like, there's a famous- one of the more famous sequences in in the Universal Studios, Dracula, is that Harker takes this uh, carriage to to Castle Dracula. And then when he arrives, he gets out of the carriage and looks and there's no one driving it. It just went there by itself. Whoa. Um, The thing is, like, when the carriage picks him up, the driver of the carriage is clearly just Dracula like, dressed in sort of a different, like, he's wearing a sort of very bad disguise. So, being Dracula um, doesn't pay, so he's also, like, a carriage driver. Yeah, it's he's he, it's like Uber for haunted carriages. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Harker gets in the carriage, Dracula is driving the carriage. When he gets to Castle Dracula, he gets out, there's no one driving the carriage, and Dracula is waiting for him in there. So he hopped off real quick, ran by the guy, and was like, yeah, "Wait, I gotta change." Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's to like underline that Dracula is supernatural. Okay. Yeah. Um. So everything is frozen when we visit. Yeah. Why? What does that represent? It's cold. Okay. When I talked about it, I was like, "Oh, maybe it's because Kanehurst is frozen in time." And that's why the Altar of Despair revives Annalise, because it's about time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that anymore. Good, because that was pretty dumb. It was fucking stupid. Because <laughs> back then, I was, I was like, I had a different conception of the time frame of the game back then. Because, like, myself and a lot of other people were, were um, kind of assuming a much longer time span of the story. That, like, the Kanehurst stuff had happened, like, hundreds of years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, that, like, Yarnum was, 
if Yanan had been like the healing church had been in Yanan for generations or something. Mm-hmm. But the more that that we've looked into it, the more it's like no, it's more like this all had this whole story has happened over the span of like twenty. 15 to 20 years, I think, is, like, the actual okay. time frame we're dealing with. Yeah. So, like, the re- like I was saying that because when you go into Kanehurst, it's like you've just walked into the aftermath of this battle. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were thinking, oh, well, did this happen? If this happened, like, hundreds of years ago, it's weird that the bodies are still fresh and they still have, like, stuff lying around. But, I mean, it was it was probably only, like, like maybe f- t- five or ten years ago that this happened. Mm-hmm. So... Mm. It's frozen because it's winter in Kindhurst. Yeah. Um, I think that's also from Brotherhood of the Wolf. Because the movie, like, I think we'll have to talk about more. But there's a, a sequence in Brotherhood of the Wolf where they- Basically, they just find the aftermath of this, like, fight that's gone on at a castle in the winter. And there's all these, like, frozen bodies everywhere, so. Okay, cool. Yeah. And one of the first things we see are blood liquors. What are those? Yeah. Blood liquors are, well, (laughs) (laughs) blood liquors look like they are Thumerians who transformed into these like flea tick monsters. Because if you if you look at them um, like their faces, they have Thumerian faces. They're just like a Thumerian that is morphed into this thing. They still have like human features on the Thumerian uh, facial features. Mm -hmm. What they what they that's like the description of them. What they quote unquote are. Is um, it is like a Buddhist thing that gone. It's not obvious uh, to Westerners, I guess. That there's a uh, um, people who were like greedy and sinful in life. They get reincarnated as these things called the hungry ghost when they go into the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And the hungry ghost is like a. It's like a person who has a huge, huge stomach, and because it's so huge, they can never be full. So they reduce to like crawling around eating anything they can find. And the idea is that because of that, they just start eating like disgusting things off the ground because they're so hungry. So they literally, they're eating like shit and they're eating like vomit and stuff because they're in hell. Like they're literally in hell and they're in hell and they're so hungry that they just have to eat like, like, um, like bodily fluids and stuff that are just lying on the ground. Mm -hmm. So that's what the blood lickers are. They're like. They're called blood lickers because they're they're thirsty for blood and they're like crawling around looking for pool, um, pools of blood on the ground to sort of lick up with these very long tongues. Okay, and that's also that's why you mm-hmm. find them in the Hunter's Nightmare because that's very like very Buddhist hell inflected area. Right. Yeah, and also like you can um, you can spawn blood lickers in the Chalice Dungeons if you perform a visceral attack on something and kill it and then you leave and come back again. Mm-hmm. There's like it's like a twenty percent chance mm-hmm. I think that a blood licker has appeared in the room and it's like licking the oh, blood wow. off the off the puddle that you left behind. That's cool. Yeah, so I think the idea behind the blood lickers is that like they're they're Thumerians that they became so greedy for blood that they sort of transformed into these these monsters that can never get enough blood into them. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. also what looks like vermin or whatever those giant snake things. Yeah, those maggots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think at this point you just have to say that they're vermin. You just have to say that like vermin is a catch-all term that encompasses all these different parasites. Yeah. So the centipede things, the maggot things, and the ticks on the snakes in Forbidden Woods would all be vermin. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole podcast on vermin, which I will link below. Yeah. And 
Those vermin in the beginning, they hang out around what looks like a cave entrance. Yeah, there's like a small, there's a collapsed area that I think that may have been where Kanehurst used to connect to the dungeons. Because mm-hmm. it sort of, it slopes, it could just be like a naturally occurring cave, but it sort of slopes downward and then stops. And I think like, probably like, because the, the thing is, Kanehurst is massive, but you only explore like the inner courtyard of it. Mm-hmm. If you stand on the, like the balcony and look out, you can see that there's this huge like, X. there's all these other parts of the castle you just never go to because it's too big. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think the idea is that would have been how you got to the- that would have been, like, an entrance to the labyrinth under- under Kanehurst. <laughs> um, and I guess that's it for today, because I want to do a separate podcast on the Queen of Wildbloods, and on that we'll talk more about the Queen, the cut content, and- Items and stuff relating to the Wildbloods. Do you want to- well, there's, but there's, like, ghosts and stuff in Kanehurst we haven't talked about. But we talked about them in and the Executioner what, podcast. What about the, the Rifle Spear and the Rider Palish? Well, what about them? Because you find a weapon in Old Yarnum called the Rifle Spear, and it's made by the Powder Kegs, who were Jura's group of hunters, and it says that this was made as in, um, it's like a bootleg version of a Kanehurst weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you find that weapon in Kanus and it's like a more sort of like ornate um like the rifle spear is literally just a spear with a gun stuck to it. Mm-hmm. And in Kanehurst you find the thing the rifle spear is based on, which is called the Writer Palish, and it's like this very ornate, um, sort of intricate rapier thing that can turn into a pistol. So the idea is that the church, like when they were attacking Kanehurst Someone stole a rider palish and brought it back, and the powder kegs built this rifle spear thing based on the rider palish. Well, it, they didn't have to steal it. We've established that the Kindhurst bloodline were the Kardashians, so maybe they posted a picture of their weapons on Twitter, and then the powder yeah. kegs saw it and then copied it. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like all this like Kanehurst influence across Yarnum. Yeah. Yeah. We'll need to do an episode on the powder kegs. I think that was it, though. No, there's more. Is there? Yeah, like the whole burning of old Yarnum, even though we did that already in one of the episodes. Yeah, we've covered everything. (laughs) It's okay, they'll have their own episode, they're pretty cool. I really like the Boomhammer, mostly because of the name. That's not theirs, though. Wait, the Boomhammer isn't... Yes, it is. The Boomhammer is the Odo workshop. Hang on, I have to check because I'm not sure. There's there's a thing called the Oto Workshop that's meant to be like the pre powder kicks workshop. Hang on. Yeah, I know. I read the items. Not a complete idiot, Richie. No, no, no. It's right. It was made by the powder kicks. Oh! Looks like I schooled you once again. You did. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. <sighs> yeah. 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 Yeah, so that means that, like, the powder kegs were around at presumably the same time as the Oto workshop. No. Why? Because it says, like, the Oto workshop were the precursors to the powder kegs, meaning they came before the powder kegs. Yeah. But you find the boom hammer in the place where you find the Oto workshop's badge. 
So? So, like, that means they were presumably around at the same time. Well, at some point, maybe, yeah, they had an overlap. Or somebody, like, found the badge, and then they were like, oh, this is from the Oda workshop. Um... Yeah, it's because it's like a badge crafted by the Odo workshop precursor to the powder kegs. And then it's just like the powder kegs were driven by these ideas and the philosophy of the powder kegs was established. Yeah. 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 They didn't have to exist. It's just the ideas. They don't have to exist because they literally only made one thing. <laughs> no, I mean, they didn't Which have was to- the piercing rifle. <laughs> they didn't have to exist at the same time. It's just like the ideas went on, you know? The idea of a gun. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever ideas they have, they survived through time. And then yeah. people were inspired by them and made the boom hammer. <laughs> the boom hammer. I love it. It's my favorite name for a weapon in any video game. Yeah. Boom hammer. And it describes it perfectly. It's like a hammer and it goes boom. What about the BFG 9000? What is that? It's from Doom. Uh, I only played the original Doom. That has it in it. Oh. It stands for Big Fucking Gun. I don't know if I ever got that one. I remember walking around and getting a lot of cards, and, like, red card is to open a red door, and green card yeah. is to open a green door. That's all I remember from yeah, Doom. Yeah, it's, it's called the BFG, which stands for Big Fucking Gun. But then in the <laughs> Doom movie, in order to make it suitable, they changed BFG to Bioforce Gun. They should have called it Big Friggin' Gun to make it PG-friendly or whatever. Was the Doom movie PG-13? I can't remember. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I remember. I don't know why they had to make it all, like, nice. It wasn't very scary. No, it wasn't. It's not very good, is it? No. Yeah, Doom movie rating. Oh, it's just giving me the Rotten Tomatoes rating, which is 19. <laughs> Sounds about right. Oh, no, it was, it was rated R. What? It says here it's rated R for strong uh, gore and violence and language, but not the word fucking. <laughs> Wait, what? if that's rated R, what's our podcast? Uh, it's NC-17. What's that? The, this means not classified, only suitable for people over seventeen. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anyone under like listening to this anyway. No, I agree. <laughs> Which children shouldn't be influenced by this. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're a child listening to this, I'm sorry. We're having a terrible effect on your development. <laughs> Parents put us on that thing, like the parental lock or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be a parental lock to activate. <laughs> activate this podcast. It's a series of trivia questions about the 90s that you have to answer to prove you were alive at the time. Yes. Um, Lots of, like, Limp biscuit lyrics. <laughs> Jokes about Yeltsin. Oh my goodness. If you want to talk about... I have, like, a list of weapons here. Like, the Chicago. Oh, yeah. Okay, we can talk about the Chicago. Okay, go. Chicago is a katana. Okay, so it says it's made in a foreign land. Yeah. So, I already asked you, but not 
recorded. What do they mean by foreign land? Which land is it? I don't know. Because I don't know who's from whose perspective that's supposed to be written. Yeah. Because Kanehurst, Kanehurst is a foreign land. Unless you're in Kanehurst and you're writing the description. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like the the Rakuyo, I think I think the implication is it is from like a foreign land because the Rakuyo. It was made in the same land as the Kinehurst Chicago. Yeah, the same land as the Kinehurst Chicago. Now I'm saying Kinehurst. Look what you've done to me. Yes, finally, because that's the correct way to pronounce it, Kinehurst. Kinehurst, the Australian one, Kinehurst. <laughs> Fucking going to Kinehurst. <laughs> Get some tinnies. Um, <laughs> what? The it's what we call beer cans. <laughs> But Chicago also sounds a little bit like Chicago. Okay. So, was it made in Chicago? Do you want- Well, that is- that is a foreign land. There we go. Because, yeah, because it, speci- it specifically says this originated in the same country as the Canehurst Chicago, which seems to- which, like, is implying the yeah. same country is not Canehurst. Otherwise, it would just say Canehurst. So, United States of America. Yep. There's also, I think you mentioned it, I guess. The thing I can't pronounce that starts with an R. Rakuyo. No. Rider Palish. Yeah. Yeah, there's the, we already talked about that, though. Then there's the Evelyn. Yep. What's up with the Evelyn? It's a really fancy gun. Any lore on it? Well, I think it's like the Rider Palish, where Kanehurst, because they just, like, the Thumerians had guns. Like, they- if you go into the labyrinth, there's a bunch of Thumerians with guns. They were, like- they were a a technically, like, competent group of people. They had firearms. They had cannons. They had, like, revolvers and pistols and stuff. Uh, And rifles and blunt, all these different things. So, the implication is that, like, Kanehurst, they had- because they were descendants of that, they had all these, like, interesting, like, uh, firearm things that- we're a product of their culture, and the more complex, like, firearms in Bloodborne that were made by the church were the result of them stealing stuff from Kanehurst and copying the designs. Okay. The other thing is that they make a point in the game of, like, the strength of firearms scales with a stat called Blood Tinge. And the idea is that the firearms in Bloodborne, because they're not firing, like, quote-unquote, normal bullets. They are firing this, like, weird mixture of Quicksilver and blood. Because they're not designed to kill things. They're designed to, like, stun stuff. They're designed to- it's, it's almost like, like, a, like a holy sort of attack that, like, you, you stop a beast by, like, shooting it with this combination of, like, blessed blood and silver and stuff. So, the reason that Kanehurst and the Thumerians love guns is that their blood is very, very strong. They have high blood tinge. So that's why they rely on these firearms. Um, like, the Rakuyo is the only Kanehurst-associated weapon that doesn't scale with blood tinge. So the Chikage, the Rider Palish, and the Evelyn all use blood tinge. Mm-hmm. Because the Thumerians had very strong blood. Mm-hmm. And in Japanese, mm-hmm. blood tinge is called... Blood quality. Oh. So it's like, this is how good your blood is. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
What blood type do you think the Sumerians were? Oh, I'm sure there's like theories. <laughs> no, because because if if like people might know this if they like look at bios of video game characters in, in Japanese games. Like Japan has a real obsession with blood types. Ah. They're really like whether like if so- saying someone is like an A or like a, a O or something is sort of like the same thing as people who say like oh that's that's someone's star sign. Hmm. What blood type are you? I don't know. Me neither. I feel like we should know. But there are there are like stories that come out of like they're not super common, but there are stories of like people saying oh I didn't get the job because my blood type was wrong because it's seen as like governing your personality. Interesting. Yeah, so if you look at, like, like they don't, I don't think they do this as much now because games don't really have manuals anymore. But, like, in old video game manuals, they would absolutely list characters' blood types because it was meant to tell you something about them. It, it would be like, you know, like if you had a list of people's star signs and then you said, like, oh, well, of course they act that way because they're an Aries or something. It's a similar sort of thing. So, like, I'm, sh- I'm absolutely sure there's speculation about Thumerian blood types somewhere. Oh, we should be, like... We should ask everybody who's still listening to guess what our signs are. Why? Why not? All right. Okay. Yeah. You can have like right. a star sign and then there's also the Chinese calendar sign. Yeah. Yeah. You have to guess both for each one of us. Well, won't they, won't they be able to guess the year we were born? Because then we mentioned- Shh, Don't what, give out hints! Okay. 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 <laughs> And the code word is star sign. Yay. All right. And I think we're pretty much done with the podcast. No, we have, we didn't talk about the Chicago at all. Oh, we'll talk about it in the Maria podcast. But she doesn't use a Chicago. She uses a Rakuya. <laughs> okay. Tell me about the Chicago. <laughs> Chica- <laughs> Bro, I'm on vacation. <laughs> I'm, like, even less professional than usual. (laughs) Well, here's the weird thing about Kanehurst is that if you look at the, like, the the visual design of the things that are in Kanehurst, they look like, they look like medieval, like, English, European, medieval European, we'll say, knights. Like, very, very heavy plate armor. They have, like, swords. And there are, like, guys on horseback that have, like, lances. But then you get the Kanehurst badge and the stuff you unlock is, like, very sort of samurai-y. Like, you have this sort of, like, thin armor that's designed to move quickly in and you have a katana. So, it's, I like, it's really odd. It doesn't quite jive. I don't quite know um, what the story is. Like, maybe the the Chicago and the, the armor were designed for something else originally, and they just got folded into Kanehurst. I don't know, but, um, yeah. So the, oh, it does, it does specifically say that like the, the Royal guards of Annalise use the Chicago. So presumably the others don't. And it sort of makes sense because the, um, the keeper of the old Lords has a similar kind of Katana weapon. And one of the shadows of Yarnum variants also has one. So it looks like, it's possible that, like, the when they talk about them being foreign-made and being from another country, they may actually mean, like, the Chalice Dungeons. But the other thing is that you have old hunter Yamamura. 
And he uses a Chikage and he is explicitly described as he came to Yarnum from like the far east. So it might also mean that they got these from, from the far east, wherever that is relative to Yarnum. It's odd that like a Yamamura uses a Chikage because he's not a vile blood. He's just a guy from. It's not odd. Where do you think he got it? No, if you they're, all, if they're okay. all made in the East, anybody can get them. Oh, that's true, yeah. God, did I school you again? Twice in one podcast. Yeah. We're doing this at a different time than we usually do it. Because <laughs> this time, like, I've been up all day and you've just woken up. <laughs> yeah, I'm fresh and yeah. I'm logical and rational. Whereas you need to be sleeping. Yeah, destroyed with facts and logic. <laughs> So, so the idea behind the Chikage is that it is a normal samurai sword, katana kind of deal. But the transformed mode of the Chikage is you, like, you kind of injure yourself with it. And then the blood goes into the- this is a thing that samurai swords had. They would have some- like, the, the really ornate ones would have an engraving in the blade. So, as the blade cut into people and it got blood on it, the blood would pool in the engraving. So, you would get this, like, blood sort of scrawl down the middle of the blade. And the Chikage is that. The idea is, like, as you're using the sword, your blood is going into the the engraving in the blade. And that's making it stronger. So, in its transformed mode, the the blood on the Chikage, like, it makes it scale with blood tinge. It's normally just scaling with strength and skill, but in the transform mode, because there's blood all over the blade, it's using blood tinge. And it also wears your wears your hit points down as you use it, which is a it's a souls thing. It's been going since Demon Souls, where there'll be some kind. It's always a katana. Like in in Dark Souls, it's the Chaos Blade. In Demon Souls, it's the Makoto. Um, it's a, a samurai sword that. While you wield it, it like it's eating away at you. So when you have the Chikage in its transformed mode and the blood is flowing into the into the blade and making it all like powered up, it starts sapping your life essence away. So you you lose hit points as you have the Chikage transformed. The other thing about the Chikage is when it is in its like blood mode, it does rapid poison damage. So I think the idea is like the the blood is acting as a kind of poison. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, um, Thumerian blood is associated with rapid poison throughout the game. Like, Yarnum's blood does rapid poison damage to you when you fight her. And it's it also seems to be associated with the vermin, because when you fight the bloodletting beast and the vermin start crawling out of the back of it, they do rapid poison as well. So, like, you're sort of powering up the sword with corrupted blood when you use it. And, like, it it scales with blood tinge. I don't know if it is literally supposed to be your blood or not, because I don't know where else it would come from. Basically, the animation when you transform it is that you shove it back into the scabbard. And then when it's shoved in, there's this, like, burst of blood shoots out. And then when you pull the sword out again, it's red. So, I don't know if, like- like that, if that's going into you, or there's just like a whole lot of blood in the 
in the sheath the sword goes into, or if, like, you do something to the sword and blood starts coming out the blade, I don't quite know. But then you lose health when you use it. Yeah, it's like eating- but that's that's happened since, um, I don't know if that's to do with the- because that's not rapid poison damage. I don't really know. The confusing thing is, like, rapid poison in most cases would make more sense if it was called bleed. Because, like, like, because like a lot of people probably don't actually encounter, like, rapid poison damage in Bloodborne because most things don't do it unless you go into the Chalice Dungeons. So, rapid poison, like, the description of it sounds like it's, like, toxic in the Souls games where it's poison but it's worse. But that's not what it is. It's actually, like, bleed in the Souls games where, like, the bar fills up and then when the bar is full you just lose, like, 30% of your hit points. It's, like, a less punishing version of Frenzy. Yeah, so, like, it it would almost make more sense as a bleed weapon, because that's, like, it's a katana, it does bleed damage, like, the Chaos Blade does bleed damage, and the Makoto does bleed, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, like, Maria, because, like, she she does not like being related to Annalise, she has her own, uh, like, samurai sword weapon, but it does not do the blood thing. It's not um she's it's not that she doesn't like being related to Annalise. It's just that despite being related to Annalise, she wasn't fond of the blood thing. Yeah. So maybe she was chill with being related to Annalise. Maybe they were best friends. She just didn't like the whole blood aspect of it. Well, I don't know how you'd stay friends with Annalise if you weren't keen on the blood stuff because it's it's she's kind of a single issue voter. Like it's all <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the people in Bloodborne have a pretty one-track mind. It's just like <laughs> blood everywhere, blood in cathedrals. And <laughs> Okay, and before I forget, um, I asked people to post questions about um, vile blood stuff on Discord. Okay, I was I was unaware of this. You're unaware of anything. I have a whole channel titled Questions for Podcasts, and people post questions yeah, I, I don't, there. I don't get tagged in it, so I don't know. Yes, you do, because I at everyone when I ask questions about a specific podcast. I have at everyone muted. On my channel? On everyone's channel. How? I think everyone, go, everyone go has at everyone. No, go okay, unmuted. At everyone has at everyone muted. No, go unmuted on my channel. All right. <sighs> Notification settings. <laughs> All messages. Done. Okay. Okay. And when I told you to go unmute it, I very, like, persistently pointed ahead, like, in an unspecified direction to let you know, like, go do it now. <laughs> but you don't see. <laughs> Well, it'll be good if, like, if this takes off and we're able to, like, do an episode in the same room, because I- Oh my god! I look, I, forward know, to, I look forward to being pointed at and hit and have things thrown at me. Oh my god, I'd be pointing on your screen, like, violently. I'd be like, tick, 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 <laughs> go now! <laughs> Having you constantly clap in my face. No, you're there, I could just, like, punch you in the shoulder. Let's see, yeah, you could, okay. Well, listen, I'll be fair. First, I'll show you the circle, and then I'll repeatedly punch you. That's that's fair. Yeah. 
slapped in my face. <laughs> no, I imagine you like clapping in my face like you're trying to get the attention of a cat or something. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I do that to the yeah. microphone already. <laughs> but that has a little different history because I started by banging on the table when I needed your attention. And then yeah. I wasn't allowed to do that anymore. So then I was banging on the, the side of the chair. The armrest. Okay, as soon as as soon as I change the notification settings, I've gotten like seven. Good. Get used to it. And then I wasn't allowed to bang on the armrests anymore, so my boyfriend took away my chair, and now I have like a wooden chair without yeah. armrests. So that's why I was resorted to clapping. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So some of these questions were already answered. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Princess Big Hat Marionette was asking about the origin of Kindhurst and stuff like that, so we talked about oh, it. Oh, is that uh, Marionette to August? Yeah. Yeah, hi. Hi. Yeah, no, she she dropped into a stream I was part of. Nice. And we talked for a bit, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. Okay, so Princess War is asking who or... What was Kinehurst? Is it a family name, a village? Why is the castle named after it? The name... This is confusing, because the name Kinehurst, if you saw it written down, you would think was the name of a place. Um, In the same way that Hemwick is. Like, I it, I guess it depends on where you live, but, like, where I live, um, I'm adjacent to, like, several places that have Hurst or Wick in the name. And uh, a hearst is just like it. It means like like a forest on a hill, basically. So if there was a town that was like near a forest on a hill, it would be called something hearst. So like I, I live near a place called Bathurst. It's just like there's a place was near a forest, so they called it Bathurst. Um. So like Canehurst is like the it, the name itself doesn't really make a great deal of sense because it would mean like there was a place called Cane. Um near, like, a, a forest somewhere, and there's no forests, really, around that area. Like, it's a castle, it's on an island. But, yeah, Canehurst would be the name of a place. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason they call it Canehurst is because it's meant to suggest, like, the biblical Cain. Because, like, another another influence is, um, like, we talked about the influence of the 1920s Dracula, but there's other, like, um, I think 20s or 40s, the, the Universal Studios Dracula, I can't remember the exact year. But, the um, there's a lot of influence of just like vampire sort of like legends in general, and one of the more um popular like not more popular like one of the more va- vampire things you would um that that people sort of added onto vampire myths later on is that Dracula was somehow connected to Cain, as in Cain the first murderer from the Bible. So, in their sort of research of, like, different kind of vampire lore from around the world, they probably ran into that. And that's um, where the name Cain, has, I think, comes from. The other possibility is it's to do with... It's to do with Canis, as in, like, dog, because there's a... There's, like, a like a wolf motif through some parts of Cain, so it might mean, like, to do with, like, wolves. And they changed it to... um. It's it's confusing because Canehurst is like half the time they're they're birds and half the time they're dogs and they don't really settle on it in terms of like what they're the Canehurst symbol is like two wolves basically 
it's got it's odd because the the symbol of Kanehurst is these two wolves, which like wolves, dog, Kenis. Okay, that's maybe where the name comes from. But also, there's like a lot of crow imagery around Kanehurst and also around Hemwick. So I don't know. And like you have the the Kanehurst. Um, but we didn't talk about the bloody crow. We're not talking about him today. But he's part of Kanehurst. But we're not talking about him today. Well, when are we talking about him? Because I don't think he's he can really sustain much of a discussion. Oh my god! Really? You really think that? Yeah. Did you think the lock shield could sustain much of a discussion? But it didn't. It sustained like two minutes of discussion, and then the rest is is just something else. Well, that's what we're gonna do with the Kanehurst guy. It's like it's like Edgar. How like Edgar sustained <laughs> like the first third of that, and then the rest was was an ebook. <laughs> A very special ebook. I still have it. Oh man, yeah. I was thinking, you know how um, um, how the Snack Covenant uh, we release it once a week on like iTunes and Google Play or whatever for patrons. Okay. I was thinking of doing another thing and calling it like the classics <laughs> and releasing our old oh, okay. podcasts once a week. <laughs> on like iTunes and Google Play and all that. Some 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 classics. Yeah, yeah, just the classics. <laughs> Remastered at a higher bitrate. No. <laughs> no. That's what makes them the classics is the bad quality yeah, and all the crap, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh there's a couple of other questions, but I think they're more for an Annalise podcast and also I'm getting tired because I need an app. Well I thought we I thought we would haven't you been up for like three hours? Yeah, but it's vacation and I need naps. <laughs> what you <laughs> thought we were gonna talk about Annalise? No. Annalise is she Well you just specifically said Kanehurst yeah, and but, she's kind of a big deal. But no, no, she is Annalise. She deserves her own podcast. She's the queen. Exactly. That's why she needs her own podcast. All right. Yeah. Treat the queen with respect, bro. Okay. Okay. We didn't talk about how there's a whole lot of stuff from the Chalice Dungeons and Kanos. Yeah. It's because, okay, we're going to have a whole episode on the Chalice Dungeons. Okay. We just said it then. There's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of stuff <laughs> from the Chalice Dungeons in Kanehurst. It's on the tables. Yeah. But that's the thing. When yeah. we talk about Annalise, we're going to talk about the interior of the castle. Because <laughs> that's her house. <laughs> So, so, so Kanehurst is an integral part of Annalise, except when it isn't. What? But we can't talk about Annalise on this podcast because she's the queen. She's separate. But on the Annalise podcast, we can't talk about Kanehurst because it's where she lives. Yeah, but only the interior. We talked about the exterior. Only the interior. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. This is so, like... <laughs> It makes perfect How sense. desperate are you? This is like the, this is like the the plot of someone who is desperate to get as many views as possible. How can I break this up? Okay, Kanehurst is going to be the exterior of Kanehurst, the interior of Kanehurst, the queen of Kanehurst, probably Ligarius because why not? And also. Like, one guy from Kanehurst who shows up without warning. And we're going to somehow get five separate podcasts out of one extremely small and unfinished area. No, in my 
other hand, it made perfect sense. We're the Kindhurst, or no, this is the Wild Blood podcast. So in my head, it made perfect What's sense. What's the difference? That the Wild Blood podcast would be about the castle and sort of a little bit connecting Sumerians to the Wild Bloods as a reminder, because we already do that, and just talking about the relationship of the castle with the other areas, sort of. And then we'd have a separate podcast, which is Annalise, and because she lives in the castle, so she probably cares what it looks like on the inside, we should talk about the inside of the castle and the queen. <laughs> She's going to get it decorated in. <laughs> what? She cares what it looks like. She's going to get it decorated. If she cares what it looks like on the inside. It's literally just like piles and piles of statues. <laughs> well, <laughs> arranged with like no sense of order to them. Just piled everywhere. Well, maybe this- And then she, literally a gigantic pool of dried blood directly in front of her. And she just sits there all day staring. Well, maybe this is sort of- We will be able to look into her personality based on how the okay, castle she, looks. Uh, she's also blindfolded. So how would she know what the castle looks like? <laughs> she knew what it looked like before, okay? Do you think she doesn't realize anything is wrong? Maybe she's blindfolded. She just hasn't seen anything. Yeah, she <laughs> yeah. doesn't know that Ligarius is out there. Maybe she doesn't. <laughs> Maybe she thinks she's just sitting in her room or whatever. Everything's fine. She's just sending yeah. off invitations to her fancy ball. <laughs> is showing up. Or maybe she thinks the statues are people, right? So she's like, oh, hey. Or she just walks around touching them and she's like, oh, there's a person. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what and I just pictured. And she's like, you're not allowed to talk to me because I'm too important. Good. <laughs> yes, exactly. So she's good. She's happy. Yeah. 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 So that is why she deserves her own podcast. Okay. As well as the interior of the castle. I just read we've also done a separate one on the executioners. Yeah, we yeah we did. And just yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at how much like we're able to get out of this just tiny because we can't stay on topic. And <laughs> I I think we stayed on topic pretty okay this time. We did. That's the depressing thing we did, and yeah. it was still over an hour long. Yeah. We we got an hour of content out of <laughs> some snow. <laughs> Big flea, some worms, <laughs> a portrait, <laughs> and a sword, and and some people <laughs> who had to go to a medieval castle to get the idea for a gun. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't even paying attention to the last half of the podcast because I was thinking about pina coladas and mojitos. I don't think anyone is paying... I think even the people listening have stopped paying attention. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so, when I go to the woods, I'm going to get some alcohol and I'm going to make pina coladas and mojitos. Are you going to do a stream from there where, like, every time something happens, you have to take a shot? <laughs> and by the end, you're completely hammered. <laughs> No, it does. The woods doesn't have really good internet. Oh, it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my boyfriend just went. The woods has the Australian internet. I'm sure it's much better. <laughs> Richie said, "I'm sure it's much better." I don't think so. Aww. At least for now. <laughs> but they might get fancy internet in a couple of years. So, okay. So, I think we did it. And it was only an hour long. Unlike the Sumerian podcast. 
Yeah. How long was the Thumerian one? It was like three hours, and I don't even Jesus. know how. I don't understand. I'm gonna have to edit it. I'll edit it on my vacation. Try to make it into something listenable. Okay. Yeah. You know, I like finally got rid of all of the backup pod, like the Audacity project files that I've been building up over the last year. Oh snap! Did it? It was like a hundred. It was like a hundred and eighty gigabytes, and it wouldn't. It like I couldn't even put it in the recycling bin. It said we just have to delete this right away. Oh my god! The computer was like, "This is horrible. I have to delete this right away." Yeah, it was like this. <laughs> we can't risk you. We can't risk you undeleting this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh snap! So, do you want to do the outro? Um, okay. Yeah. That was uh, one in a series of 17 podcasts we'll be doing about Kanehurst. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next episode where we discuss the, the unused lower bridge that you can kind of <laughs> see if you pan the camera over the side. Should be able to get about 45 minutes out of that. <laughs> And perhaps, like, a, a discussion about how the gate opens by itself as you approach. What's going on? You know what? We'll talk about that in the Annalise podcast. Do you think she's opening it? Maybe she is. She opens it real quick to make it mysterious and then runs up back to her room. <laughs> how does she know we're coming if she can't see us? Well, the carriage is equipped with like a GPS or whatever and it transmits oh, signal directly to her uh, helmet or whatever she's wearing. You think you think that like the invisible coach driver like just sends her like a text message like I'm outside. Yeah. <laughs> this is your haunted carriage Uber and outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I actually like the idea that she's wearing the mask, but on the inside of the mask, she has, like, a whole, I guess, a whole, like, um, futuristic screen-type deal where she can see everything. It's like Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly! That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This was supposed to be the outro. You know, I can do this face where it looks like I'm deflating my chin and it's like disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, may maybe if we upgrade to a vodcast. <laughs> yeah. And that's the sound I make as I do the face that. Will become one of one of those terrible channels that keeps doing like four hour long Google Hangouts. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh no! But now that you mention it, I need to stop being sarcastic with you because it always you end up thinking it's good. Yeah, and then we end up implementing it. <laughs> well, it's more like you end up implementing it without asking me, and then it's just like that's happening now. <laughs> yeah. Alright, did we do an outro? I think this is the outro.
Are we going to do a shout-out in this episode? Oh, I forgot about the shout-out. Yeah, let's do a shout-out. Who to? I don't know. Um, think faster. Okay, I'll shout-out I'll sh- I'll shout to my friend Mark, because okay. we shouted out to, to Piku in another episode. Uh, Mark, Piku, and I are mutual friends. We hang around each other's stuff. <laughs> don't be silly. You have no friends. <sighs> well, that's true. <laughs> Okay, shout out um, to Mark. Mark. Okay, yeah, Mark is a streamer and he's also an artist and he streams video games and also streams his artwork. Mm-hmm. You can find his streams at uh, twitch.tv slash the32 as one word, so that's spelled out, so it's T-H-E-T-H-R-E-E-T-W-O. And uh, he also has a, a website for his work that is really hard to find because... He's referred to as third half, which is uh, which he renders as a three and then a two after it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, as you can understand, that's quite difficult to to Google. <laughs> and I I actually can't remember like what what the URL of his website is. <laughs> I, no, hang on, hang on. I can find it because he's the one of two people in the English-speaking world who cares about a game called Speed Power Gun Bike. So if I go, if I Google that, uh, I will eventually find his website. Hey, there it is. <laughs> it's literally faster than trying to remember the URL. <laughs> is to Google Speed Power Gun Bike. Um, his his website is thirdhalf.net. So it's just um. Third half written out dot net t h i r d h a l f dot net, and he has all his art and video game stuff there. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he does commissions if you want, like, like stream emotes or overlays or stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, they look pretty good. And he listens to this sometimes, so he might hear this. Oh, nice. Oh, he has a Slayer thing. I know this because my boyfriend made me watch an episode. Yeah, he's very, very into Slayers. 